The problem is if you don't define success, then you also don't define what failure means, which is why people don't define success because they don't want to know what failure means. That's why people don't set goals in the first place because if they don't set goals, they don't know they don't achieve them, mm -hmm. which is which is nice. But the problem is then you go a year without doing that, five years, 10 years, 15 years without doing that. And you don't know you're failing, but you're failing so often for so long and 10, 15 years down the road, all hell breaks loose and you have a mm -hmm. midlife crisis or you feel so misaligned with who you truly are. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. And I'm so excited because today I get to introduce you to my friend, Nick Carrier. Now, Nick is probably one of the most growth-oriented and driven people that I know. And it was out of that passion for growth that he created Best You, which is really helping people get to the best version of themselves through the lens of fitness. But you and I both know that when you make a decision to physically improve, that has ramifications for every other part of your life. And that's why I love Nick's teaching, Nick's approach, and Nick's perspective so much because he highlights the fact that if we can get ourselves in order, if we can truly strive towards the best version of ourselves, well, that's going to have a ripple effect into everything else that we do. And so I wanted to put Nick on the spot as we set out to have this conversation by starting off with a big question. And that question was to describe the relationship between growth and discomfort. If you're looking at a X and Y axis graph, time is on the X axis, improvement or growth is on the Y axis. Mm. And you try to kind of pinpoint a best version of yourself in the top right of it. Yeah. And I believe that that best version of yourself or that future version of yourself or that aspirational version of yourself has skills, knowledge, experiences that you don't yet currently have. Mm. That's what it means to be a greater or a higher version of yourself. And the only way to gain those skills, knowledge, experience is to dip a toe in the water of something that makes you uncomfortable. Mm. Because that which makes you uncomfortable, that is telling you that you don't yet have something, you don't yet have the thing that would make you comfortable in that situation. Mm. So... It's like, oh, okay, I'm uncomfortable here. Why? What knowledge could I have that would make me not feel uncomfortable? What skill would I have? What experience would I have already had that would not make me uncomfortable? For example, I have never necessarily been super nervous at, say, public speaking or being in front of people, but there have been times where I don't like looking stupid or being embarrassed in front of people because I would easily get red. So I was like, okay, how can I not get uncomfortable? <laughs> yeah. And so I went to, I, I did an improv class. I did Dude. an eight-week improv class because I was like, I know I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not very funny. I, I, I just know I'm going to look like an idiot. So this could allow me to gain the experience, to gain the skill to know how to be in front of people, feel like an idiot, feel stupid, and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. And so the relationship of growth and discomfort is discomfort is required to grow because when you are in discomfort, it means you do not possess the thing that would make you comfortable in that situation. And you have to determine 
or extract what that thing is that you're missing that would make you comfortable. And you have to find a way to grow into that. You have to find a way to acquire that skill, knowledge, or experience. Yeah. I feel like you've maybe thought about this just a little bit. (laughs) Okay. So there's a couple things that I want to talk about on that. The first thing is I love that you highlighted the example of the improv class. I I hadn't heard that before, but I love that. That's hilarious. Uh, Because I think sometimes we think, oh, growth and discomfort, they always go hand in hand. We think that means work harder, hustle more. And what you're saying is, no, I did something completely out of left field that had nothing to do with working harder. It had everything to do with doing something completely different. So can you describe to us, like, put yourself in, uh, in the mind of Nick Carrier when he's on the car ride to the first ever improv class describe for us like the mental dialogue going into that and what that level of discomfort felt like, because my, my guess is there was a level of discomfort. Yes, definitely discomfort. The thing that I did to make it a little bit less uncomfortable was I had a buddy do it with me. Okay, good. Um, There's a principle there. Yeah, there is a principle there. You don't want to wander too far into discomfort or you're going by yourself crumble by yourself. Yeah. And don't run during the discomfort by yourself. Bring people with you. Yeah. Yeah, so that definitely helped. But it was, you know, the level of uncertainty. I had no idea. I didn't, I've never known anybody who's done an improv class. Uh, there are not that many details on the website. So the uncertainty around it, like I'm somebody who likes to feel in control of their life. <laughs> so the uncertainty around that was pretty insane. And so I very much took the improv class for this specific reason. Like I knew why I was doing it, which that's important and too. So it didn't completely eliminate my nervousness, but it allowed me to realize there was a reason why, and that it was going to benefit me in, in that particular way. So do you think discomfort becomes more bearable whenever you have a compelling purpose? Yeah, for sure. For people I coach, I always have people write down their why. Yeah. You know, Simon Sinek made it popular. What is your why? What is your motivation? Why are you starting this goal in the first place? So I always people write that down, but I always tell them it's not that important in the beginning. You're already motivated. You, you know, this is the, right now you're at peak motivation because we haven't even started yet. You have a goal in mind and you want to achieve it. Once you feel uncomfortable, that's when it that's when it's important. That's when you need that why. And you can't make it then. You can't make it then. No, it's, by then it's too late. So the why is the thing that fuels you when you get really uncomfortable, when crap hits the fan, mm-hmm. when you get injured, when you blow your tire out, when, you know, life happens or, or life gets in the way. So yeah, a hundred percent. I think that having a compelling reason being and, and having a very intentional reason for the discomfort will allow you to persevere through. Mm-hmm. So what's your why behind the business you're building called Best You? My why is that I believe that if an individual works on getting closer to the best version of themselves, then not only are they better off, but their friends are better off, their family is better off, the community is better off, and the world are better mm. off because of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's my why. I think everybody is responsible for, like, I think like, <laughs> like you're responsible almost like to the world, like you need to get closer to the best version of yourself because there will be less suffering because of it. 
And that right there is why we're friends, Nick. <laughs> right there. I'm like, I feel like some guys hang out and just talk about talk about sports or just drink beer and don't talk about anything. It's like we we talk about personal growth books the entire time whenever we hang out, which I love that. Um, and this responsibility is like, and reducing suffering. It's yeah. so good. This is like literally <laughs> we went to like a brewery like a year and a half ago together and like we talked about this crap. It's the same. It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. Okay. So also associated with your first answer, that X and Y axis, I think a lot of people, and I've been in stages like this as well, where all you know is, I don't like where I am right now, or, or I'm not satisfied here, but you haven't yet built the muscle or the skill of envisioning point two, right? What am I moving towards? And for me, it kind of feels like that's literally the name of your business. Best you is like name point two and don't just name it broadly or generally name it specifically. I know that's something you're so passionate about. So can you speak to number one, how do you build that as a habit or rhythm of something that actually becomes part of your mindset? And then what does that look like practically? Yeah, no, great question. That fires me up because I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is a game of clarity. Mm. Like early on in our life, the best version of ourselves could be a lot of things. Like we're not really sure who we should be, who we could be, who we, who we want to be. And so the, the way that we gain more clarity, the way that we narrow that down is constantly throwing aims out there. It's constantly being specific as to like, okay, maybe I want to achieve that. And, and you start working towards it. And, and as you get closer to it, maybe you'll realize like, okay, that's not exactly where I want to go. I'm going to make this a little bit of pivot. I'm going to start off as this job four years ago as a recruiter with a recruiting agency. And then very quickly realize, okay, that's not the path I want to go down. I'm going to do personal training. And so I did personal training for a little bit. And I realized like, I mean, I, I know I love fitness. I've been doing it for a little bit, but this one-on-one thing, like I'm not really, I feel like I could be impacting more people. So let's, let's dive more into group fitness and really do that. And and so I do group fitness and I'm like, I love fitness, but I feel like this is a vehicle that people can use to get closer to the best version of yourself. So like best you, and then I created the podcast. So essentially you have to throw aims out there. You have to move in order to narrow down that clarity. Mm. And the great thing about it is, it's just as much figuring about what you want to do and who you want to be as it is figuring out what you don't want to do and who you don't want to become. And so one of the things that is super important regarding gaining clarity is figuring out what you're passionate about. And it almost like <laughs> makes me squirm to say that because I hate when people say like, what are you passionate about? Because it sounds so fluffy and, and that kind of crap. But what I've what I've heard lately, I don't know if you know who Erwin McManus is. Oh yeah, but, You're brilliant. But one of the things that he said on a podcast that I listened to like for two or three weeks ago struck me so hard. And he said that our passions and our desires are the compass for the life that God created us to live. Mm. And when we have a deep rooted passion towards something, then we have to start tipping our toe, dipping our toe into it. We have to start following it a little bit. Because that's what is truly what would make us unique and, and light us on fire. And so, but we don't know what that is very well. Like mm. People are just trying to figure out what am I passionate about? Yeah. And the only way, it, it, passion and clarity are a constant game of narrowing it down. And I was actually just talking to a friend recently about, she's thinking about switching jobs and she was like, I'm just so confused right now. You always seem like you're the person who's never confused. <laughs> uh, and you always seem like you know what you're doing and why you're doing. And I'm like, no, 
high I was compliment, like, but not was, true. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I like literally probably laughed out loud. I was like, it's not that I'm not confused. It's that the game is to not let the confusion hold me back from taking action. Yeah. It's being okay with moving despite the confusion because the quicker you move, the quicker you can pivot. Mm. And the quicker you gain more clarity on who it is you want to become and, and what your passions are. And so essentially how you do that on a daily basis or whatever that looks like practically is you, for me, I define success for myself every single month. And I'm like, mm. in seven different categories, like, okay, what is health success look like for me this month? What is my career success? What is my personal success? My spiritual, my financial, my relationships with people. And then other, a category that just doesn't like outside of those six. And I'm like, okay, what is success? What does my aim look like in these seven categories? What, let's make this more practical. What, what do some of those look like for me? Yeah. So I, and I also, also say that in one of those categories, you want to be spiking. Okay. You want to, but so like, for example, right now I'm spiking in my professional life, just meaning that I'm spending a lot of time there and hoping to improve there. A okay. Lot. In my spiritual life, I'm not spiking, but I'm trying to manage or maybe slightly improve that area of my consistency life. consistently. So literally it's watch Erwin McManus mm. church on YouTube every Sunday. It's not a ton, but that is what success for me is in the spiritual area of my life this upcoming month. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then I also dial it down to a weekly basis. So like relationships with family and friends, it could sound like, make sure I call my four family members this week. It could be, make sure I text a friend from high school this week. The, the idea is that if you let one of these seven categories go by the wayside for too long, it could bring everything down with it. Yeah. And so you have to be managing or slightly improving all areas of your life at all times and choosing one to be spiking in in order to get closer to the best version of yourself. That is actually practically how you get closer to the best version of yourself. Mm. There's a lot in that. I think like to use that example, I think sometimes we fall for this myth or this belief that like, man, I'm going to assess where things are at on May 1st. And then the way that things are better on May 31st is I journal about it every day for 31 days. So that's like, dude, your, your journal's not going to move you from here to there by May 31st. It, it's your actions, right? And so it's like, journal like crazy on May 1st. And sure, you can journal every day if you want to, but, but the thing you should be journaling about May 1 is where am I at today and where do I want to be on May 31? And it sounds like that's what you're doing. And it's like, even if it's like, well, it would be great to be a little bit better in this area by May 31st. Well, that's something. Yeah. And then just start the, the thing that I think I fall trapped to is like, I kind of sit in hesitancy and it's like, I'm walking on eggshells and like, I, I ask, is this right? And what you're saying is the only way you figure out the answer to that question with confidence and conviction is by doing it. Yeah. I don't give a crap if it's right. Don't make it right. Don't, don't worry about <laughs> it. It doesn't even it. matter. That's even a false question. Don't even ask. Yeah. There's, there's, there is no right or wrong. You are defining what success means for you right now. That's Whether right. or not that's right or wrong is irrelevant. You just have to do. Within so, moral boundaries. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe don't up. do anything illegal. This, we is would true. Say. this is true. But like, you know, that is how I, that is how I'm currently defining success for this upcoming month. Yeah. 
whether or not that is actually allowing me to manage or slightly improve or spike in the, in the categories that I'm talking about, who knows? But I am setting the aim and maybe I go through this month and I realize that I am spiritually not in a place that I want to be. I am just not feeling, my soul is not feeling right. I'm, I'm not feeling whole. Maybe next month I need to, to define success differently yeah. for myself. But the point is, each time you define success, each time you gain more clarity as to what success should be for you and what success truly actually means to you. The problem is, if you don't define success, then you also don't define what failure means, which is why people don't define success, because they don't want to know what failure means. That's why people don't set goals in the first place, because if they don't set goals, they don't know they don't achieve them, mm-hmm. which is which is nice. But the problem is, then you go a year without doing that, five years, 10 years, 15 years without doing that. And you don't know you're failing, but you're failing so often for so long and 10, 15 years down the road, all hell breaks loose and you have a Mm -hmm. midlife crisis or you feel so misaligned with who you truly are. And so it is so important to have the courage to define success for yourself on a very frequent basis. Mm. That's one of the biggest lessons we learned probably six months into starting the business is we did a feedback session with our customers and we realized accountability is probably the most valuable thing to them, but more valuable than accountability was visualization of progress. Mm -hmm. They wanted visual accountability. They wanted to see where they were six months ago and where they are today. And so we've created dashboards and things like that that can help with that. Because one of the things that I've started to recognize, and I think this applies to what you're talking about, Nick, is I don't consciously naturally ever think about, man, how is my mindset? How are my habits? How is the person that I am more grown, more mature, more forward? better than I was six months ago. I have no clue what I, like, I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. What, like how on earth? And so, so if I don't actually know where I was six months ago and I don't have any visual indication of that, then like, I just assume, well, I'm just always stagnant. I just haven't moved forward at all. It's like, dude, that is not true. Like that is not true at all. And so, I mean, have you seen that show up? And specifically, where does that show up in the fitness space? So in regard, are you asking about the importance of progress, like the ability to view and see and track progress? So I think like literally motivation comes from seeing yourself moving towards and getting closer to a worthwhile goal. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel so many people are not motivated. So many people are anxious. So many people are depressed is because they're not defining success. Because if you don't find define success and motivation comes from seeing yourself working towards a worthwhile goal, then you are rendering it impossible to be motivated. That's right. If you're defining, if, if you have to be working towards a goal to be motivated, which I truly believe where motivation comes from, you can get fulfillment you can get happy you can get happiness from other areas but true like m- like deep-seated motivation and inspiration and, and, and like meaning has to come towards working to something worthwhile mm-hmm. and if you're not defining what is worthwhile to you or you're not defining an aspirational version of yourself then you're no wonder you're depressed no wonder you're anxious no wonder you feel like you're lost Mm. in life. And so 
that like when I talk with people and their fitness goals, one of the primary reasons people come to me is because they they're lacking motivation. I'm like, well, yeah, because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. You're not you don't know where you're trying to go. And so if you don't know where you're trying to go, you're not going to get motivated. So we, we, we define something specifically that you're trying to work towards. And then we monitor and track the behaviors that we believe are going to get you to that outcome. Mm-hmm. And those behaviors that you're tracking, the workouts that you're tracking, the meals that you're tracking, the water that you're tracking, those then become rewarding in relationship to that longer term goal. And so you define, define the longer term goal, you define the behaviors that will lead to that outcome. And those behaviors then will allow you to stay patient during the process because that longer term goal of weight loss, that longer term goal of running a faster marathon, that longer term goal of being able to bench press 300 pounds, like that thing's going to take a while. And unfortunately, humans struggle with patience. And so we need those visual small wins to almost like trick our mind that we're, we're being successful or to show us that we're being successful along the way. It, it's so cool. The, the audience or a, lo- a large portion of the audience that is listening to this would know the reference, the four disciplines of execution, right? And, and Chris McChesney's book, I think he wrote it with a few others, correct? Yep. Yeah. Interviewed him for a second time the other day. I love that. There you go. Okay. So we'll put the links to both of those interviews in this podcast, but four disciplines of execution is probably what popularized. And it's certainly where I learned about lead versus lag measures about creating a compelling scoreboard. It's an incredible operating system for tracking progress to a business. And, and what's so crazy about this is, I mean, so many businesses and enterprises and organizations have been radically successful using the 4DX method and model. And you are the only person that I've ever met that literally just said, okay, well, I'm just going to freaking take this, rework it and, and strictly apply it to personal growth. So I want you to speak about how you did that. And then I want you to talk about the results that that's created. Like I have always been interested in, in like goal setting and behavioral psychology and what allows us to follow through at a high level. And so I had already done a lot of research, a lot of reading and stuff around that. And like, almost like try to come up with some sort of framework myself. And then I read this book and I was like, this is everything, but like in the, fr- like in a framework and for a business. Yeah. And for a business. And so it lit me up and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I know I can apply this to some of the current goals I had. And so I started off applying it to like getting more podcast ratings and reviews. Yeah. And I did that and I achieved that goal. And then I did it on another one and another one. And I was like, I was like, I knew this thing was powerful and I know I like I get how I can apply it mm-hmm. to health and fitness with the expertise and the knowledge that I have there. And so there are definitely some tweaks that you have to make a little bit to apply it specifically to, to health and fitness. And so I did that and I started off with a 10 week program with a group of eight people and it worked well, but I still was like, I'm not quite getting certain things across to the people the way I want to. And essentially I, I, I did that at the beginning of 2020 and throughout the year of 2020, I continued to tweak, modify my system and throughout that time, you know, I was actually working through it with people and I continue to learn more and more. And up to this point now, I think I've had over 150 people go through mm. the 10 week program and use this And kind of the beginning of 2021 is when I really reworked it and kind of have the, mo- the model that I've used through the first half of this year that I really feel like is what I say is like bulletproof that will get you closer to your goal because I truly believe that the main reason why people aren't where they want to be with their health and fitness, why they're frustrated with where they currently are, isn't because they don't know what to do. 
It's not because they need to do different reps sets or anything like mm. they don't know what to eat. I'll do that in a second. It's because they don't have an easy to follow plan that they believe will get them closer to their goal. Because mm. like we talked about simplicity is the name of the game. You have to have something that is simple to follow, but not only is it simple to follow, you truly believe that it will give you the ability to get you to your goal. Yeah. Because so many people don't, well, some people don't define goals, but then they don't define a specific enough strategy because you have to have so much confidence and so much belief in your strategy or you're not going to do it. You might do it for a little bit. That's why people fall off diets because they're like, okay, I'm going to lose weight in in four weeks. And then they they do the, the diet and then two weeks in, no progress, three weeks in, no progress. And they lose belief mm-hmm. that what they're doing is going to get them to their goal. Because they, maybe they saw somebody else do it, so they think, but they don't have true belief and true confidence that that's going to get them there. And so, yeah, man, it's it's been a, a hell of a journey kind of bringing it to the health and fitness space. And But it's been so fun learning how to tweak it and learning how to apply it to people and seeing what, what resonates with people and seeing what allows people to fall through at such a high level. Yeah. And that's why I love this topic so much is because everything that you just described, if someone were to do that well in their personal life, the lessons that they would learn that they could take to their business and their leadership, it's, I mean, it's outrageous. Like I just have this belief, Nick, you are an incomprehensibly stronger business owner strictly because you've figured out the principles of four disciplines of execution in your own life. Like, it's almost like that should be chapter one of the book is figure out how to do this in you. Because if you can get you to do this, getting an organization to do it will just be step two. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, man, like the, the the concepts that you're talking about, about belief and about measuring progress and about small actions and what are the, what are the habits and rhythms and routines and deposits that will start to create the desired results. And like thinking through that paradigm and that mindset, it, it changes the way, honestly, that you view the world and the way that you view growth. Yeah. And it's funny because I did it, like I, like I said, I kind of like implemented the framework into my life before I ever coached it with many people for a couple of different goals and it worked really well, but it had been a little bit of time until I applied it to a specific fitness goal. And that's when, and one of the reasons why I attacked my one mile run goal recently, it was like, okay, I need to get back to doing this specifically for me. Yeah. So walk us through what that was. Yeah. So for a while I was like, I was like, well, what's something that I can do to really push myself and, and apply this to? And, and I've always been a pretty good runner, but I've never really applied myself to running specifically. And so I just kind of had the urge one day. I feel like everybody did like the one mile run growing up in elementary school and yeah. school and high school. And, and it's always something that everybody can relate to. Mm. And so I was like, let's do that. I'm okay. Gonna- so, so real quick, the gap between what's something I could do and let's do that is massive. And most people never cross it, right? Like lots of people ask themselves the question of what's something that I could do to grow, to move forward, to impose struggle on myself. And they may even answer that question and they never do it. So how did you build the habit of becoming something or how are you practicing becoming a person that crosses that gap to actually doing a one mile challenge? So I think it starts with before you set a goal, you don't set the goal to achieve the goal. You set the goal to become somebody greater. Mm. And so you think about who you want to become first 
and you set a goal that you think will allow you to become that person. And so I wanted to become somebody who kind of walks the walk. I wanted to become somebody who could like push themselves for an extended period of time. And I, I, I also just wanted to be faster and I wanted to be a better runner. And so that's kind of the first thing is you want to think about who you want to become first. And that will help you define the goal. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to actually, you know, doing it, the, the actual execution of it, for me, I have built so much confidence up over the past four years that I am the type of person who will follow through with the promises that they make to themselves that when I said I was going to do it, I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a matter of if it was, I said, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it now. Not that there was ever any, any doubts. Like there were still like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to tell people about this. I'm going to have to work for 10 weeks and running training. And I haven't done this before. Yeah. So, so what was the actual goal? So it was decrease my one mile run time from five minutes. It was five minutes and four, five minutes, four seconds, 0.81 down to 4.45. Okay. So I... Once I, I had the goal was to actually it was originally to run a sub five minute mile yeah because the fastest mile I'd run up to that point was five fifteen but then I went out and ran like my mile just to see where I currently stood and I got five oh four eighty one and I was like oh wow I'm pretty already kind of close to a sub five minute mile and so I had a coach I had a run coach for this yeah and so we sat down in here and I kind of we talked back and forth about what should my goal be how how low do we think we can go. And, and <laughs> that's he, like fun conversation. Uh, yeah. Well, he was like, I, he said, we're doing 10 weeks. I think you can go 450. I was like, 445 just sounds a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. You're pushing the coach. I love it. <laughs> and, and so that was the goal. But it was kind of just like, you know, I had no idea. He said 450. I just out the. I was, okay. But there's a principle there too. Because so, so often the thing that keeps people from setting a goal is they say, I have no idea and I should have an idea. No one has any idea, especially in business. Like when, when we say three to five year or 10 year goal, right? BHAG, all that stuff. No one. That's the biggest thing I've learned with working with massive organizations. No one has any clue. And so just set something, you know, just set something that's better than where you are today. Well, and, and that's, so that's really key. So fast forward, everybody. I ran a 446. Oh, God. Oh, a 446.09. My body hurts for you. I, so ran, I ran a 446.09. And afterwards... I wasn't that upset. Yeah. Sure. I wanted to run a 445, no doubt. When my, after I ran it, I fell on my back and he showed me the time and I was like, oh, it was the most pain I'd ever felt in my life. But, <laughs> but Is that it, true? Yes. Really? Yes. Pain, physical pain or pain like? Physical pain. Oh, okay. Physical because pain. you just run a 446? Because I just ran a 446. Okay. Yeah, my body was hurting so badly. But point being was the 445, the goal was to run it as fast as I could. The 445 just was an aim that I set and it was important to set because it defined the strategy. Mm-hmm. It, that, that part is key. You set the goal as, as best you can with all the knowledge experience that you currently have because it allows you to create a strategy. Having that 445 allowed my coach to be like, okay, when we're going out on week two and we're doing four 400 meter runs, 
this is how fast you need to run it. If we hadn't had that 445, if we didn't have that specific goal, if we just said we want to run it pretty fast, how would you be able to define what I needed to do? Mm. When I'm when I'm going with people who have a weight loss goal, if I want to lose weight, if they, if they just leave it at that, sure, you can kind of have an idea of what you should do. But when you say, I want to lose 15 pounds in 10 weeks, then a strategy starts to become a lot more clear yeah. as to what you actually need to be doing and what you actually need to sacrifice in order to get there. And so to kind of go back to the goals, I wasn't that upset because I knew it was just kind of a number that would, would help me with my strategy to, to get going. Well, and it would be fascinating to know if you set the goal at 450, would you have run it in 449 or 451 for that matter, just because the goal was 450? Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, who knows? I, I very well, I believe in, in things like that for sure. It's funny. I don't want to stray too far into something, something different here, but I had a MLB player on a while back. On your my, podcast? On my podcast, yeah. Kyle Former. And he, he went to my high school, but when he got drafted and went to the minor leagues, he told his dad that I'm going to get six years to see if I can make it to the MLB. Yeah. Get six years. Which I've heard the the minor leagues in baseball is a pretty miserable experience. You don't get paid anything. You travel all the time. Fast food. Yeah. Terrible hotels or a bus. Like that's it. Brutal. And he said, I'm going to give myself six years. When did he actually make it? Like five years and 10 months. (laughs) And one of the questions I asked him was like, do you think if you would have said three years that you would have made it in three years? Because I truly believe that, you know, when you set a goal or a timeline, your level of urgency is correlated to that timeline. Yeah. The action that you take is going to be correlated to that timeline. And I don't think that 450 would have scared me enough. You know, I I always push myself pretty hard. So I I, I probably would have still pushed myself hard on runs, but I knew that 445 was going to be hard as crap. And so I think that gave me that a little extra push on those weeks that were tough on the weeks mm-hmm. that I had an injury in week four. I was like, I'm not let, like I, I need to keep, like keep going. So I think that really testing that threshold gave me that little extra oomph behind those maybe more tougher, challenging weeks. There's, there's something related to that, that I think is important to call out. And I'd love to know how this has showed up there or in the way you work with clients, you know, at, at Path for Growth, we say we help impact driven leaders practice healthy growth. And so one of the ways that we teach healthy growth is like the specificity of your strategy will never exceed the specificity of your vision, right? Which is everything you just said about like, get clear about where you're going. But then also related to that is like, you can be outrageously audacious with your vision. You should be outrageously audacious with your vision as it relates to the business and as it relates to your personal growth, but you can only be as audacious as your values and your purpose will allow you to be because there are businesses out there that they pursue an audacious vision like crazy, right? A three-year goal to triple revenue or or triple their bottom line or increase the number of team members they have or triple the number of locations they're serving. And they may hit the goal. They may blow the doors off the place, but you look up and you're like, man, the values that 
defined this organization, the code that you said you live by, the character that you had as people is nowhere to be found anymore. And so like, how do you monitor the audacity of your goal by saying like, okay, I want to be gutsy. I want to be courageous. I want to, I want to do something that pushes me. And at the same time, I'm not, there's certain things I'm unwilling to sacrifice Mm. because you could have hit, I mean, you could have hit 430, right? There is a path where you could have hit 430. It may have taken a little bit longer, but it's like, what would you have to sacrifice in the process? There are certain things that were non-negotiables for you, clearly. Yeah. So there's, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think this is super, super key. And it's something that I kind of, part of this I've recently learned. So the first part I've been applying for a while and it goes a little bit away from what you're talking about, but your goal needs to be two things. And this is what I coach my program. Your goal needs to be worthy and winnable. It needs to be worthy in the sense that it's something that would fire you up. I want to like losing 10 pounds would fire me up, would fire you up after 10 weeks. Is that enough? Because five pounds, like, I don't, that doesn't really get me going. 450 to me was like, yeah. it would probably be exciting, but it didn't quite get me going. Yeah. 445 was worthy. I was like, that is freaking <laughs> awesome. Um, I love it. But it has to be winnable. It has to be something that you truly believe that you can achieve. Now, winnable for everybody is a little bit different based off of their ambition and based off of what they've been able to accomplish kind of in the past. So like, I didn't really know that I could do 45, but I knew I was gonna give it all, all I had. And so the first thing is that you have to make it winnable. The second thing that you said in regards to like your willingness to sacrifice is so, so key. And I'm gonna give a, a client example that I have right now. And, she came into the to the my 10 week program and she was like, I want to lose 20 pounds over 10 weeks. And I was like, awesome. Love it. That's pretty you know, aggressive, right? It's pretty aggressive. It's pretty aggressive. It's two pounds a week for 10 weeks, right? Essentially. Yeah. And, and that's how it would, you would want it to be if like as a coach, and that's how you would want it to be as the client. And so we kind of I start off by having them tell me that, but then discussing the strategy with them and, and discussing kind of what they're willing and able to do based off of what they've been willing and able to do in the past. So if somebody comes to me and says, like I currently have 14 desserts a week and they want to lose 20 pounds and they come in with like, oh, I'm going to cut out all sweets so I can lose 20 pounds. I'm like, look, <laughs> you're not going to go from 14 to zero like at the snap of a finger. <laughs> Let's start at seven desserts a week for the next three weeks and then six. And so with that being said, maybe 20 pounds isn't the thing. Maybe it's, 10, maybe it's 15. So that's, that's one example. Another example that I like even more is the, this other client who said 20 pounds. So many people have 20 pounds because they think two pounds in 10 weeks, I can do this. <laughs> and so I was like, the big, the big question is, okay, what do you actually have going on the next 10 weeks? Yeah. And she pointed out that in week six, her brother was getting married. And I was like, okay, don't ruin the wedding for yourself by not allowing yourself the ability to drink, not allowing yourself the ability to have cake, not a bit, not like have, do it, not like just being carefree. And so I was like, okay, so you're going to have that. In order to lose 20 pounds, you're going to have to lose two pounds a week for 10 weeks. That is not easy. That is nailing it almost every single week. In week six, are you willing to do that? It's your brother's wedding. Come on. So she's like, okay, you're right. You're right. And so we actually pointed out a few more things on her calendar during that 10 weeks in which she realized, like, I don't really want, I'm not going to, I'm not willing to sacrifice this much in order to achieve that. I was like, awesome. Great. 
15 pounds it is. Because we know that during these weeks, the goal is not lose, the goal is sustain. And so because of the willingness to sacrifice, we scaled back her goal to something that was a little bit more realistic and a little bit more attainable and less audacious. But the, and the thing is, is like, if you don't have that honest conversation with yourself, mm-hmm. then you're not going to, then you're going to have that week where you don't follow through and then you're going to lose confidence in yourself. You're going to lose belief in yourself. So it is so important to have the honest conversation with yourself about what you're willing to sacrifice. Because if you don't have that conversation and you're not willing to sacrifice and you don't achieve that goal, you're going to lose confidence in yourself. You're going to lose belief. If she said she was going to lose, she wanted to lose 20 pounds. And at the end of the 10 weeks, she enjoyed her brother's wedding and all that kind of stuff. And she only lost 13 pounds. Then she would have been upset because the goal was 20. But because she had the honest conversation with herself about what she was willing and able to sacrifice and she lost, I think she lost 13 pounds. The whole perception of the loss of 13 pounds completely changes. That's right. Yeah, that is such a good example. And I think I love that you use the phrase honest conversation with yourself. Have an honest conversation with yourself. And I think really what that conversation is, is what do I want? Yes. But what do I want in terms of the habits that it will require and the sacrifices that it will demand? Go ahead. Well, and so the, the other, the last example is the personal example, because like I saw this kind of happen for her as I was getting ready to do my one mile thing. And during my one, 10 weeks of my one mile program, there was, my parents were coming in town. I was going out to Tampa for a bachelor trip, Cinco de Mayo. And I was like, what am I willing to do on those things? What what am I willing to sacrifice? And I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can be good during those times. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be sticking with my training. I'm not going to blow it out alcohol wise. I'm not going to blow it out nutrition wise, because if I realized that when I was going on the bachelor trip that I wasn't going to run and I was just going to, you know, enjoy those three days and not do anything, maybe my goal is 450 instead of 445. That's right. So yeah, it's, it's super important to me. It's like, well, especially for your health and fitness goals, you have to look at the timeline because there are going to be so many people right now who are starting my program on May 31st for the next 10 weeks. And I'm going to have to scale their goal back because they're going to set a lofty goal, but then I'm going to point out to them that they're in the middle of the summer, that they're going to go out to bars, drink with friends. They're going to want to have barbecues. And, and I'm like, look, be honest. You're not going to want to sacrifice all of this stuff all the time. So let's make a goal of this instead of this. Yeah. And it's like, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. And and then you get to the end and you feel accomplished instead of feeling guilty or you don't drop out halfway through because you're like, well, I went to bar three times this week. I don't know that someone should be going to the bar three times a week. I don't know that I would advise that. But yeah, I uh, man, I had a conversation with someone once and he was talking about his intellectual growth. And he said, I, I just asked him, I said, well, what, what's your goal intellectually for 2020? And he said, well, I, man, I've always wanted to learn a new language. It's like, awesome. Good for you. I said, okay, so let's break that down. First of all, why do you want to learn a new language? Well, I think, I think it'll help me be more cultured, you know? And I, and I, th- I just really respect people that, that learn new languages. It's like, awesome. Okay. Very good. So I don't know much about learning new languages. I've heard it's kind of difficult. What do you think it would take? Do you think it would be a monthly thing? Think it would be a weekly thing? You think it would be a daily thing? He's like, oh, I mean, daily. It's like, okay, like five days a week, seven days. It's like probably seven days a week. I was like, okay. And like, how much time you think seven days a week? And he said, well, from what I've heard, maybe 
like 15, 30 minutes deposits each day. It's like, okay. So you're telling me if you spend 15, 30 minutes every single day, seven days a week, maybe take off on vacations, you'll get to the end of this year and, and you do Rosetta Stone, you've learned language. It's like, well, I, I don't know, maybe twice a day, maybe twice a day on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's like, okay. So twice a day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every day of the time, 15, 30 minutes. He's like, yeah, I think so. I said, okay, where on your calendar does that go? Because you have two kids. You just had your third kid. Your wife kind of likes you as well, which is a positive thing. And you also have a job and you've recently gotten into real estate. He said, okay, well, I, I guess I'd do it. I mean, I guess maybe in the car, in the car before I leave the house. Because I was like, okay. I said, so you'll sit in the car for 15 or 30 minutes. He's like, yeah. And then I said, okay. So like then when the second time on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he's like, probably like right after I get off a job site. I said, okay. So what we're saying the plan is, is that seven days a week, you're going to spend 15 to 30 minutes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're going to do it 30 minutes in the car before you leave. And then 30 minutes right after you get off a job site. And he looked at me, he was like, man, I don't think I want to learn a language. <laughs> and it was, it was exactly what we're talking about though, that like when you have the honest conversation, it's like, do I actually want this? And, and, and through the lens of what it will cost you to sacrifice for it. And it's like, he, he was unknowingly committing to something that would have left him with less time for his kids. Yeah. And if he didn't have that conversation he would have pursued it and been frustrated. Yeah. This is so, so important to have. And, and literally the conversation when creating the strategy for everybody who does the goal setting program is when we're defining the few things that we measure on a weekly basis, they have to be things that what I call, what I've deemed the term as workable. They have to be things that you're willing and able to do based off of what you've been willing and able to do in the past. Essentially, let's have that honest yeah. conversation with yourself. And the reason why that's so, so important is because if you don't have the honest conversation with yourself, if you overdo it, then you're going to fall short and you're going to see yourself as somebody who always falls short. And then you're going to prevent yourself from setting goals in the future because you don't see yourself as somebody who can fall through and execute on those goals. And so the more that you fall short, the more you fall short of falling through the less goals you're going to set in the future and the less you're going to be able to progress in the future. So having that honest conversation with yourself allows you to follow through with the promises that you make to yourself, which allows you to build self-confidence, which allows you to build that reputation with yourself that you can then take to future goals. Mm, yeah, that uh, I love that. Okay, so related to that too, you, you used a phrase as to why you are able to step into things with confidence. Explain to us what that phrase is. Yeah, well, so that's, I'm able to step into it with confidence because I've built a reputation with myself that I'm the type of person who will follow through with the promises that I make to myself. Okay, the type of person that will follow through on the promises I make to, to myself. That feels like a very intentional phrase yes, for you, right? Yeah, for sure. So explain like the, the profundity and the power of that. So the power of it, the word promise is super intentionally said because when I make a promise to you, what does that mean? Like it means I can count on it. It means it's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. It's not situational. It's not conditional. It's not circumstantial. It's not, I'm going to go on a run. If it's 75 degrees and sunny, it's I'm going to go on a run. 
It's a promise. The, the conditions don't have to lay themselves out perfectly for you to be able to do that. You don't have to be motivated to do that. You are going to do it no matter what. And so most people go through life and go through their to-do list as that would be nice to get done. I kind of hope I can get that done. It's not a promise. It's not, it, when you treat it as a promise, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when it is going to happen. And when people can start to realize the importance of treating your word as your promise because of the power that it has for your self-reputation and the power it has for your personal integrity, because honesty is that your words match reality. Integrity is that your reality matches your words and that you're actually doing the things that you say you're going to do, that you're a person of alignment. And when you can start to, again, just build that reputation, you're going to fall through the promises that you make to yourself, then you can improve in anything. Because I truly believe that if you want to improve in whatever area of your life, in your health, in your financial life, in your professional life, in all these areas, you can probably name one thing that you can start to do tomorrow mm. if you want to improve. Not And not probably, you can. You can. You can. So if you have formed the habit that you will fall through the promises that you make to yourself in order to improve in that area of your life, all you have to do is promise yourself you're going to do it. And then you can improve. So I think that the number one habit that anyone can develop is to follow through the promises that make yourself because it will allow you to improve in any area of your life in which you desire to improve in. Ooh, that's good. It's like the corner, it's the cornerstone thing that if you can get this, it will have ramifications for everything 100%. else. Oh man, I love that because I like I'm hyper reserved about the number of times I tell other people, hey, I promise I'll do this for you. Like I hyper reserved because it carries so much weight, right? Like it's like, man, if I tell someone I promise, it's like, like I was 10 minutes late today. I, I felt bad about it. I apologize to you for it. I owned it, right? If I had told you, I promise I will be at the studio on time, Nick, I would feel horrible, right? Like it's like, oh my God. And so it's like, it is a higher standard. And what would it look like for ourselves to hold ourselves to the standard that it's like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to promise to do it. And and I assume there's a written component to that. I'm going to put it in writing. Like I'm promising to do this and then treating it that way. Yeah. Well, you think about the, the problem is we treat promises to others at a much higher level than we treat promises to ourselves. Why is that? I think it goes... That's a great question. I think it's because accountability almost kind of means that somebody else has to be there. Like it's almost like kind of rooted. Like I truly believe in self-accountability. Like you can hold yourself accountable, but I think there's something in us that doesn't like to let other people down. I think some, some people have that more than others, but when you know, you might have the ability to upset somebody else you think that upsetting somebody else is worse than upsetting yourself. Mm. And so we care about that at a higher level. Um, so I think that that's kind of one of the reasons, but so, yeah, we, I mean, we treat promises to other people at such a high level. And we don't do that with ourselves because we're not going to be probably, and we're not going to be reprimanded. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, we might beat ourselves up a little bit, but 
there's not going to be any external thing that reprimands us for not showing up on time or something of that nature. Um, well, there's something in this related to that. I think of like when Jesus says, man, don't point out the speck in others' eyes when, until you deal with the log in your own. And it's like, we, I mean, as leaders, it's really easy to say, man, that person's not great with being held accountable, or that person just needs to grow and develop, or that person just needs to have a get it factor around what I'm telling them to do. And, and of course, there's space for all of that in business, right? You have to be clear about expectations, and then people need to meet those expectations because you're paying them, and there's a promise made in compensation. But it's like, man, are you setting an example in your life that that you are accountable and I love what you said is like, you can be self-accountable. I used to have a pastor that would say, you are only as accountable as you want to be though. Yeah. A- and you are only as accountable as you choose to be. And and what you're saying is when you make a promise, you're signing up for accountability. Yeah. And that's, I think the reason why we don't do that a lot of times, because I mean, that's why I avoid it, right? No, I don't, I'd rather, I'd rather live in generality, right? The minute I tell you something specific or tell me something specific, then I have to do it. Yeah, hundred percent. There's like times on, that I don't want to write down like exactly what I'm going to do the next day because it's like, God, I have to do it. <laughs> and it's like, and I will know if I don't, if that box is not checked, I will know if I don't do it and that will be painful, but dang it, I have to have the courage to put it down. And, and that's something that you get better at as you go, but it's just like a constant, like, son of a... <laughs> because like, it, it's hilarious because, you know, I, that's a phrase that I use all the time, follow through with the promises that you make to yourself. And now it's backfiring because my, like my family knows it and, 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 and people know it. And so they're like, when my mom is like, Nick, write down your Christmas list and send it to me or do this, do that. They're like, Nick, write it down. Promise, Promise it to yourself. <laughs> I'm like, son of a girl. They're like, write it on your whiteboard. I'm like, God dang. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's great. You said something in there that I think is so fascinating. It was related to that topic of promises. The biggest concept that I've gotten out of this, this is probably my takeaway of this conversation, is it's like the cornerstone promise is that you follow through on the promises that you make to yourself. And if you can make that promise, which it's this is one of those conversations where it's like, I'm going to look up five days from now and be like, I hate Nick so much because I'm not going to be able to not think about it. Right. Yeah, I'm going to think about like, what I am myself I, yeah, it it's like, God dang it. Nick. Why am I thinking about my to-do list as promises? But I think it's also ultimately really helpful. And I think that's the type of discomfort that actually creates healthy growth. Okay. So now looking through the lens of I'm going to follow through on the promises that I make to myself, what is the role of grace in that? Yeah. So great question. And this is what a very, a principle that I apply all the time in my, my fitness goal setting program is once you go to hold yourself personally accountable for seeing whether or not you follow through with the promises that you make to yourself and you see that you fell short of that, you have to make sure that you approach yourself with curiosity rather than criticism. So you can't, you don't want to beat yourself up one, just because like, it's going to take energy and why be mean to yourself. Two, it's not going to actually help you get any better and solve the problem. You have to ask yourself, why did I not follow through? Was I actually not being very realistic? If I if I said that I was going to do something after this podcast and I didn't do it, what am I am I going to beat myself up after? Like, well, I was actually kind of not being realistic. I, I didn't really think about how tired I was going to be. And so 
next time if I have a late podcast, I'm probably not going to schedule it for anything after. Great example of this in my fitness goal setting program is somebody came to our accountability session on Sunday afternoon and she was mad at herself for not getting in one of her morning workouts. And she was like, ah, oh, like, sorry, I didn't get my morning workout in. Like, I don't know why I couldn't do it. And I was like, okay, so let's talk about it. Why did you miss your workout? And she's like, well, I pressed snooze because I needed more sleep. I was like, okay, so why did you press snooze? And, or, and why did you need more sleep? She's like, well, I couldn't fall asleep last night. My mind was racing about work and I couldn't fall asleep. I said, okay, so why was your mind racing about work and couldn't fall asleep? She's like, I was wired because I had coffee at 3 p.m. And I was like, okay, so there's something. <laughs> Next week, your commitment is to not have coffee after 3 p.m. on the nights before that you work out. And so when you approach yourself with curiosity rather than criticism, not only are you going to treat yourself better, but you're going to allow yourself the ability to come up with a solution that will set you up for success better the next time. Yeah. And so it is a constant practice of setting a promise. And maybe you fall, like when you start this and you treat it as a promise, you're going to fall through with maybe 50% of it. Like you said, you are your worst boss. You tell yourself to do things you're not going to do. Yeah. You might fall through with 50% of the time. The rule is next week, next month, it's fall through with 51% because you have to learn about yourself you have to gain self-awareness as to why did i come up short what do i think i can do differently next week to set myself up for success so that i don't fall short of the same or something similar mm. yeah i love i love the idea of curiosity versus criticism and i think that that's so powerful because again it promotes awareness but criticism it shuts you down right then yeah. i'm an idiot I'm so lazy. It's like, you're not lazy. You had coffee at 3 p.m., you doofus, right? Like, why are you beating yourself up yeah. for a poor, like you're beating yourself up for something that happened today. And in reality, you just made a really poor decision yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Well, I think, and, and exactly what you just said, but the way I verbalize it is like, I don't think that people fall short of falling through with their promises because they lack discipline. They fall short because they didn't set themselves up for success. That's right. And they have to figure out what they didn't do to set themselves up for success. Yeah, that should be our next conversation is how, like properly setting yourself up for success to deliver on the promises you're making. Mm -hmm. And then the conversation after that will be how to set yourself up to set yourself up. To <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just scheduling all the conversations. I, I hope this is a regular thing because this has just been a blast. Before we ask the last question, tell people a little bit about how they can be involved in everything you're doing. Listen to your podcast, be a part of the 10-week program, all that good stuff. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate it. Well, you can follow me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you. And I have links to, to everything there, but you can also go to my website at nickcarrier.com where I have stuff about my 10 week program. And again, the 10 week program, we set a very specific goal. We create a very detailed strategy of two to three things that you need to do every single week in order to achieve that goal. We put it all on a scoreboard that monitors your progress and fuels your belief that you're getting closer to your goal. And then I provide you with workouts and accountability that will guarantee that you get closer and, and hopefully achieve that end goal. And so all that stuff is at nickcarrier.com and you can learn more there. That's awesome. And they can do that. They don't have to be in Nashville to do that. They can literally be anywhere, they correct? Can be anywhere. That's Which correct. that's so cool. I mean, some of my dearest friends and and even some of our Path for Growth clients have done this with you. And like all of them say two things is number one, I can't believe how little Nick charges for this because I'm getting like personal coaching from him. And then the second thing they say is like, I got results. Like, and, and I mean, my friend Aaron, like, I, I mean, I 
beat the crud out of her to run her first 5K several years ago, and she did not enjoy it. Now she looks at me. She's been through your program. She's like, oh, Alex, I got up at five this morning to go to the gym. I'm like, who are you? Like, what happened? Like, and she's like, oh, Nick had me do it. I was like, ah, it all makes sense now. Yeah. So that's so good. Okay. So if people, your whole, your whole business, your whole mindset, your whole approach is we want to, we want to make people into the best version of themselves. What is the challenge or the encouragement that you would give them to move out of this podcast, doing something towards that? Realize that it is a constant journey of gaining clarity and be okay with not having clarity yet Mm. and be okay with you never feeling like you have clarity, but that you just constantly get a little bit more and more. You constantly get a little bit less and less confused about the next step that you need to make. So knowing that you need to be okay with a lack of clarity, you also need to be okay with setting an aim that might be improper, but still following through on it. But you follow through on it because you're a man of your word. You follow through on it because it was a promise that you made to yourself. So be okay with not having clarity. Set a improper goal anyway and follow through on it. And you have to do that on almost a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Because if you get to the best version of yourself, you have to realize you have the responsibility to do so because not only are you going to be better off because of it, but your family, your friends, your community, and the world are going to, going to be better off because of it. Hmm. Well, Nick, I one of the things that I've learned probably in the past year is that the people that I respect most in this space, being content and teaching and personal growth and leadership development, are the people that don't just give a message but you look at them and they are the living embodiment of the message that they give and not meaning that they're perfect, but it means that they're committed. And truly, like whenever I think of that word alignment, you are one of the people that pops into mind. So thank you. Thank you for being such a good friend, but also thank you for being such a powerful example of what it looks like to follow through on the promises you make to yourself and you make to others. Thanks so much. I just have so much admiration for Nick and for his commitment to never ending improvement. And I also think of Nick as an excellent example of that principle that people love being around people who are doing what they love. One of the things that I always tell people is that regardless of your position, wherever you are in some org chart or whether you're not even like focused on leadership in the marketplace, you can start leading people by just growing where you are today. Because when you go from here to there and you do it in a way that is passionate, that is energetic, that you absolutely love and you sell out and you commit to it, you know what that does? It influences people. People see that. People see you improving. People see you expanding. People see the difference in yourself and they say, that's what I want and they will start following you. So one of the things that I tell people all the time is that if you want to start leading, just start growing. And what's so cool is that because Nick has done that himself, it's having an overflow effect onto all the people that he influences. 
Hey, before we go today, I want to make sure that you know that every Wednesday we send out Worth It Wednesday. It's an email that includes a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. If you want to sign up for that, the link to it is in the show notes. We also put all the resources that Nick referenced today in the show notes of this episode. Hey, remember, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go, let's go, let's go.